Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. Good morning to our LifeGate family. Also, good morning to anyone that is joining us for the very first time today. We're so glad y'all are with us this morning on this awesome, beautiful Mother's Day. Uh, we want to thank everyone that has been a part of our online services. We want to thank you for just sharing and liking and commenting and helping us get our online services out. We know that every single week, families' lives and individual lives are being touched um, through these online services, and you're helping us do that. So we just want to say thank you. Uh, man, it's Mother's Day. I love Mother's Day, and yes, this one looks completely different, but um, I just want to just shout out to all the women and all the mamas out there and just say thank you. Guys, you are awesome, and you are beautiful, and you are loved, and I pray and I hope that today you feel that love and you feel that honor from those who are in your circle and in your world. I just pray blessings over you, and I pray that this day is just blessed, blessed for you. So um, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're worshiping with us. In this series, we've been talking about joy and what it looks like to have joy and where true joy comes from. Um, We've heard about Paul and that Paul was the writer of Philippians. Paul was in prison when he wrote Philippians, but here's a little bit more background that Paul didn't just write Philippians. He wrote three other chapters in the Bible while he was in prison in Rome. And we know that Paul was not happy about being in prison. We know that it wasn't on his agenda to be there, but God had a plan. And so even today, you know, in 2020, in our homes where we're at right now, man, 2020 is not going the way that we think it should go, right? We feel like maybe even we're in a prison, maybe a prison in our homes or a prison in our minds, all the things that we're thinking about and having to do, a physical, uh, a mental prison of just things that are not going the way that they should for us right now. But you know what? It can be really frustrating. This world, this life, Paul was frustrated in Rome when he wrote Philippians. We're frustrated now in 2020 with just everything that's going on in our world. But in all of it, we know that we can have joy. Um, For the first week of this series, we talked about joy no matter what. That was in Philippians 1. Philippians 2, we talked about joy with people. And today in Philippians 3, we're going to talk about joy of my salvation. So we've learned some things about joy and that joy is an inside job. Joy is what comes from the inside. It has to be something that we have, even though the circumstances and the happenings and the life that's going on around us, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. We can still have that joy. And we're going to be starting our message today in chapter three, verse two. I'm going to give you a little insight real quick. It sounds different than the rest of Philippians. Paul's tone changes just a little bit by what he's speaking and how he's saying it. In verse two, this is what he says. In the New Living Translation, he reads it like this. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Why such harsh words? Who's Paul talking about? Who is he talking to? In verse 3, Paul is describing a group called the Judaizers. The Judaizers are Christians. Uh, They're Jews who are Christians, but they also believe that Christians should be Jewish. So they're saying, in essence, they're adding things to the gospel. In order for us to be saved, we're going to add this thing back in. The Judaizers thought that Jesus' death wasn't enough 
to be saved. You still had to be Jew. You still had to Christian and Jew. So at the core, they were saying, we must do something more to be saved. Then Paul goes on to explain this even more in verse three and six. And he said, three through six, chapter three, verse three through six. And he says, for we who worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Jesus Christ has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly, harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness... I obeyed the law without fault. Now, before Paul was a Christian, he was the perfect Jew. Perfect Jew, pure-blooded citizen of, Christi- of, of Israel, born into it. He did everything, everything that he could possibly do to maintain the prestige of the name Pharisee. He persecuted the Christians because he believed that they taught heresy. So he went after them harshly. He knew that the Old Testament, he knew the laws of the Old Testament. He knew them frontwards and he knew them backwards. Um, and at this point, we know that Paul had no joy. He had no joy. It was all, he was doing it all because he thought it was right in his own mind. So today I want to tell you a couple of things that get in the way of your joy. Number one, the very first thing that gets in the way of your joy today is your resume. Where do you find your approval? Where do you find your security? Do you feel like you need to work hard to get into heaven? Do you feel like you've got to do all this work to gain favor from God? Do you feel like there's things that you have to add on top of and perform in order to have favor, in order to be in, in, in um, heaven. Did you know that in the 1950s, General Mills created this baking mix? And in this baking mix, they thought, man, we've got the greatest and the best thing that's coming out. And it's going to be awesome. And mamas and women and families are going to love it. So all, the, all that it was, it was just ing- all the ingredients were in the box. All you had to do once you bought this box, all you had to do was add water. And then you'd get the most delicious tasting cake you've ever tasted in your whole life. Well, they thought, well, this is simple. This should be good. We'll be able to put it on the, on the shelves and they'll be sold out like that. But it was just a big flop. It didn't work out the way they thought that it would. No one was buying it. So this company did some research. And they were like, why aren't people buying this amazing box of cake mix? So they did this research and they found out People told them, it's just too simple. It's too easy. I can't buy that. I can't take that home and make that for my family and act like I worked really hard for it. That's too easy. So they made adjustments to the ingredients. They decided, okay, we'll leave everything in the box, but we're going to add the water and we'll add to the instructions, add one egg. Once they did that, they put it back out on the shelves. People bought it like hotcakes. It went, off the, it went flying off the shelves because, yes, it was delicious, and, yes, it was still easy. But you know what? I think that's somehow, sometimes how we can react to salvation, right? Because salvation seems so easy and so simple, there's got to be more to it. We've got to add stuff to it. We've got to do more to get into heaven, to gain God's favor. It just seems too simple. They have to do more because God's recipe for salvation It's too easy. So we add to it and we build this resume and we build the things and we do works and we do good works in order to gain eternal life. But in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So no one can use it to boast about it. 
God hasn't changed the ingredients to salvation. It's the same thing. It stays the same. So our striving to work hard and to line up a good resume, it does nothing for us. But that's what we do. And because we're building this resume, we lose joy. Working for Christianity will leave us stripped of joy. But we want to be able to work. We want to be able to measure our success. We want to be able to measure the work that we're doing. Because if we can measure it, then someone else can measure it. Then we know that the work that we're doing, we've done so much, we've given so much, we've loved so much, it's got to mean something. And it's got to show God how much we love him. If we work, if we, sh- if we give, if we, if we show up. After everything's been measured and mixed, we want to earn our own seat at that table. We want to do it. We want to think. We want to prove ourselves. Maybe to somebody else that's watching, maybe we want to prove ourselves to ourselves. Somebody's watching. We want to own up. We want to prove ourselves. And we can even begin to compare our works to others. We can even begin to compare what we do to what others do. We can begin to compare our talent to other people's talent. And we know that that whenever we begin to build the resume and we begin to build things on top of each other and we begin to say, oh, I do this better or they do that better or I gotta be better at this, then then that's just a breeding ground for for comparison. I'm gonna build my resume and then I'm gonna compare it to everybody else's. Well, we know that comparison is a thief of joy as well, right? We've heard that over and over. We see quotes everywhere. We see beautiful images of it that we were, it's a reminder not to compare because we can lose our joy. It's better, I'm better at this. God has to love me more. God has to have more favor for me. God has to give me more opportunities because I'm better. I'm comparing myself to others. I'm building my resume so that God will love me better, so that God will see me and notice me and God will give me more. But that's not, that's just not how it works. We can never, ever, ever do enough. Titus 3, 5, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. So one of the things that can take your joy is when we build our resume. Next thing that can take your joy is your regret. We learned in Philippians 3, 3 through 6, um, that Paul had a pretty resume He had a long list of achievements as a Pharisee. He was proud. That was good stuff right there. We learned that he had, it was pretty. But one day, Jesus knocked him off his horse. And for three days, he was blind. And I can only imagine that during those three days, man, there there must have been something stirring him. First of all, he had met Jesus face to face and Jesus had called him, called him out. But then also, man, something was stirring in him that, something that probably shook him to his core, that my whole life and everything that I've ever done was a mistake. It was a mistake. For most of his life, his focus was not on Christ. For most of his life, his focus was on his resume. His focus was on what he was doing as a Pharisee. And he killed Christians because of the false conviction that he was doing something right, that he was doing something good, And maybe you feel that way sometimes. Man, we all know that we've had regret, right? Have you had regret? I know I have. Maybe you knew it was wrong, but the temptation was so strong that you ran towards it. Or maybe you just had a long time of running from God and you regret that. Whatever your regrets looked like, it's easy to feel defeated. It's easy to feel buried by an unbearable shame from what you did and what was in the past. And the regret is just... It's so hard to even look at yourself in the mirror because you think every time, if I just 
would have gone the other way, if I just would have said no, if I just would have, and all these what ifs come flooding back to us, right? Joy cannot abound in regret. So what do we do? What do we do if joy has taken, if joy has been taken away by us building our resume or by our past regrets? What's next? How do we handle that? How do we move forward? How do we get our joy back? We remember these two things. We remember that joy is not about my resume. It's about my relationship. In Philippians 3, 3 through 7, this is what it says. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage so that I can gain Christ. Why would Paul, after all of this work and all of the things that he had done to, to establish this great resume, to establish this, this title of Pharisee, why would he call it worthless? Why would he call it, call it garbage? It was garbage to him. All he cared about now at this point was knowing Christ. Maybe because it stood between him and God. When we work so hard for something, it carries a lot of weight. When we work hard for something, we think, oh man, that's a gold medal. That's a pat on my back. I did good. I did really good. And that's, that feels good to us sometimes. Our resume. But you know what? Paul thought it carried more weight of who he was and what he did and what he knew. He thought it carried more weight at a certain point in his life than having a relationship with God. How many of us do that? We rebel against God by being good or by doing good things, we think. So we rebel, or we disobey. We could look at Philippians chapter 3, and we could notice Paul is taking us back to the beginning. He's starting back, taking us back to a starting point in chapter 3, where he's saying, man, let's remember something. Let's remember what this is all about. I, could, I have so many accolades, I have so many things that I could list. All these good things that I've learned and that I've done, but it's really nothing because I didn't know who Jesus was. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Joy returns to us when we remember that I don't have to work for my salvation. I don't have to work and go after and always be thriving and thriving for something. Striving for the things that, that don't matter. My resume does not matter. What I can do for him, it doesn't matter. What he did for me is what matters. The relationship that he put in place when he died on the cross that's what matters. Now you may say, then why do we work at all? Why give and why serve and why, why do anything? Because nothing that I do matters. Why should I even do it? Because my relationship with the Lord, I do want to work. Because I have a relationship with him, I want other people to have a relationship with him. So I'm going to work and I'm going to give and I'm going to love and I'm going to pour out because I want people to understand the depth of love that Christ has for them. And mamas, sometimes it's like this. We work for our families and we give and we give and we give and we give until we can't give anymore. But then what do we do? We give a little bit more, right? We love a little bit deeper. We go a little bit longer because we know that we want our kids, we want our families to grow. We want our families to be healthy. We want our families to have purpose. We want our children to see the love of Christ that lives in us. If we want that for our kids, we've got to understand that we also got to have that for the kingdom. And that's why we work. That's why we do what we do. That's why we give. 
to build his kingdom so that people will know relationship and have relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two, joy is not about my regret, but it's about my redemption. In Philippians 3.13, Paul tells us this, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I forget the past and I look forward to what lies ahead. Paul kept his focus heavenward. He kept his focus on Jesus. His past could have knocked him to the ground every single day. His past could have made him feel defeated, made him feel ashamed, made him feel like he was nothing. But he kept his eyes on Jesus. And that's what he urges us to do, to fix our eyes on Christ, to make sure that we are going after Jesus and we see Jesus and we know a purpose and we know the plan that he has for us and that we know a purpose and plan that he has for others that are around us. It takes discipline and it's hard work. But man, when we focus in on Jesus, when we can see that he, has, that, he has a, that he has a purpose for us, we don't get so wrapped up in the trap of our past, of our past sins and our past regrets. Because here's the thing, and here's a really, really beautiful truth that we need to remember, that Christ was with us in our past. Christ was with us when we messed up, when we sinned miserably and ugly. He was right there with us. He was with you. He was with me. Before we ever failed, He was beside us. And he can do whatever he wants with those sins. I'm a follower of Christ. I have a relationship with him. He can take those sins. And the minute that I say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, those those sins are buried. They're gone. They're forgiven. He can cast them out into the sea of forgetfulness. Yes, that's really something. He can cast them out into the sea and he will never, the cool thing, he'll never remember them again. We remember them. But he does not. They are gone forever. Our sin is gone. Every believer that has ever sinned, every ugly sin that has ever happened now or ever was nailed to the cross when Jesus went there. When Jesus went to the cross, he took our ugliness with him and he took it on for us so that we wouldn't have to live but we could focus so we wouldn't have to live in that, in that muck, in that mire, and in that, um, that darkness But he wants us to know and remember that we've got to focus in on him. We've got to focus in on who he is. Joy is not about my regret. It's about my redemption. Forever, the sin is gone. Forever, it's it's in the sea of forgetfulness. It's buried. Christ was with us in our past. He is with us now. He is with us in the future. And our job right now is to keep our eyes on the one who has covered those sins, who has taken those sins away. So today you may be saying, well, I'm struggling with joy because I'm working too hard to maintain my salvation. I'm working too hard to to try and please God or have favor with God, or I'm working too hard to compare to make sure I, I stay in the same level as the people that are around me. I'm comparing myself. So I'm, I've lost my, lost my joy. Or maybe you've lost your joy because all you can think about or all you can see is your past. Today, you need to remember that our salvation is not wrapped up in our works, only what Jesus did on the cross. We also, we also need to remember that our salvation is not wrapped up in our past, but only what Jesus did on the cross. How do you remember the joy of our salvation? We stop working for it. We, work, we, we don't work for our salvation. We work for other people's. 
because we want them to have kingdom. We want them to see Jesus. We want them to have relationship. So we work for that because we, it's so beautiful when someone comes into relationship with Jesus. We also stop living in the past. Our, our salvation is only reliant on what Jesus did at the cross. Our past and our mistakes and our failures, they only rob us of our joy. So we've got to stop living in those past moments. Some of you need to meet the Jesus who we're talking about. Some of us, some of you that are, that are here with us today in this service, you just, you need to meet him and you need to have a relationship with him and you're yearning to have a relationship with him. And if that's you, if you say, I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, will you please pray with me? Dear Jesus, I pray right now that you forgive me of my sins. I want to live for you and I want to have joy. Thank you for being my Lord and Savior. In your name we pray, amen. I want you to know if you said that prayer with us today, heaven is rejoicing. If you meant those words and you prayed them with all of your heart, they're rejoicing because today you have relationship and opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus. So we thank you for saying that prayer with us. If you would like to talk to any of our staff pastors, if you'll just comment below and let us know and just say, hey, I want to talk with somebody. I want someone to pray with me. We'll have somebody contact you today. Now, I also want to pray for my other friends out there that just say, you know what? I'm tired of working. I'm tired of building my resume. I'm tired of striving. I'm tired of trying to, to make everything look so perfect and trying to, to do everything that matches what other people are doing. Or maybe it's... You're also saying, I'm tired of my past being over me. I'm tired of my past weighing down on me. I'm tired of my past being ugly to me all the time. I want to focus my eyes on Jesus. If that's you today, I want to pray for you as well. Lord, I thank you for my friends. I thank you for their hearts. I thank you for our time together. Lord, for every person that is struggling with the joy of their salvation, Lord, that they will remember that we don't have to work. We don't have to work for our salvation. You already did it. You did all the work on the cross for us. And Lord, for those who, who are just tired of, of being reminded of their past over and over, Lord, that they will fix their eyes, that they will focus in on you, they will look ahead and not behind for the things that you have for them and the things that you have uh, uh, for them to do. Because we know, Lord, that work doesn't stop. We do work, but we don't work for ourselves. We work for others. We work for your kingdom. We work because we love you and we have a relationship with you. We love you. We honor you. We thank you for this beautiful day. In your awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen.